to another broadcast of What's New. Today we move on to Acts chapter 27. This chapter deals with Paul's voyage to Rome and might reasonably be called Paul's fourth missionary journey. He was just as active when he went to Rome. He exercised the same latitude. He made as many contacts and he witnessed just as faithfully as he had on his other journeys. The trip this time will be a little different from the others, however. It is to be made at the expense of the Roman government, because he is Rome's prisoner. This trip is a fulfillment of Paul's prayer that he might come to Rome. When Paul appealed his case to Caesar, he was moved out of the jurisdiction of Festus, the governor, and King Agrippa. As King Agrippa had said after hearing Paul back in chapter 26, this man might have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. Neither he nor Festus could do anything about it now. They must send Paul to Rome. Now today we will begin Paul's voyage to Rome by looking at the opening three verses of chapter 27, and here is the way that Luke opens this chapter. Arrangements were finally made to start us on our way to Rome by ship. So Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of an officer named Julius, a member of the Imperial Guard. We left on a boat which was scheduled to make several stops along the Turkish coast. I should add that Aristarchus, a Greek from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day, when we docked at Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit with friends and receive their hospitality. God be It is thought that Luke spent the two years of Paul's imprisonment in Caesarea, and now he joins those ready to sail. Aristarchus, another familiar face introduced back in chapter 19, also accompanies Paul on this voyage to Rome. Now here to bring us our study is Pastor Henry Harder. After two years as a prisoner in Caesarea, it was decided that Paul would sail for Rome, Italy. Here begins chapter 27 of the book of Acts. 
Luke very carefully recounts this journey. Its seamanship language is precise. His description of conditions on the Mediterranean late summer are accurate. The accuracy and detail has surprised many Bible scholars. Why did Luke describe this journey in so much detail? You'd think he would have passed it over to get to Rome. Perhaps the very reason for the great amount of time Luke spends on this journey is right here. He wants to emphasize the importance of the destination. The climax of the book is the gospel reaching Rome, the capital of the world. Jesus' last days were emphasized in order for the cross to be sufficiently anticipated. So the journey to Rome is emphasized. If we hadn't been told by God himself that Paul would make it to Rome, reading Luke's account of the perils of the journey, we would wonder if Paul would really make it alive. It seems the odds were stacked against him on the trip. Perhaps the purpose of the details of this trip lie in the fact that God wants us to see his sovereign protection over his own. Nothing could take Paul out of God's hand, not storms or shipwreck or hunger or even poisonous snakes. God was bringing Paul and the gospel to Rome, and nothing could stop that. God's plans will be fulfilled. Or, perhaps we should look at this journey as we look at life. Luke is saying every one of us will experience storms in life, but God will bring his own through. God sovereignly protects his people. Or, perhaps this account is given so much time because God wants us to see that the spread of the gospel cannot be stopped. Nothing can stop God from moving the gospel to the ends of the earth. Well, whatever the reason or reasons, Luke spends so much time on this trip, it's there. The details are accurate. Paul with Luke, the author of the book of Acts, and a Greek from Thessalonica and Macedonia named Aristarchus, together with other prisoners, make their way to the docks at Caesarea. They are guarded by a group of soldiers, a special unit who served as imperial guards. Over them was a centurion named Julius. The home port of the ship they boarded was Adramitium. That was its base. That was where the ship was from. Adramitium was a port city on the western coast of what is now Turkey. It's situated at the head of the Gulf of Adramitium, east of ancient Troas, and south and east of modern Istanbul. The ancient name Adramidium is preserved in the modern town called Edramid. The ancient city of Adramidium had an excellent harbor at the head of the gulf facing the island of Lesbos. Numerous coins have been found at the site, called Karatash. These date as late as the 3rd century A.D. The harbor and the city then disappeared. The numismatic, or coin, evidence points to the fact that the gods Pollux and Caster were worshipped there. Evidently, the ship which Paul and company boarded at Caesarea was making its last voyage home for the season before the winter storms set in. It was late summer. No doubt the centurion hoped to make connections 
at one of the ports on the coast of Asia Minor with a ship bound for Rome. Or, perhaps he expected to take this prisoner from Adramidium across Greece on the Ignatian Way to the west coast where the Ignatian Way ended and then take a ship from there across the Adriatic to Brundisium in Italy. From Brundisium, they would take the Appian Way to Rome. If that was the centurion's plan, it didn't work that way. We shall see that later. The ship left the port of Caesarea and docked at Sidon, some 70 miles up the coast. Only limited excavations have been carried on there since the modern city is likely built over most of the ancient one. The exact location of the ancient city has not yet been determined. Some feel that it might have extended north of the present city. During the 19th century, many tombs in the foothills of Sidon were robbed of their treasures. These dated mostly to the Roman period. Some beautifully formed sarcophagi or coffins were found quite by chance. In March of 1887, seven burial chambers were located accidentally near the outskirts of Sidon. They proved to come from a royal necropolis or cemetery. They are now in the Istanbul Museum. The most famous of these is called the Alexander Sarcophagus because on it appears battle and hunting scenes in bas-relief depicting Alexander the Great. The great temple of Ashmun, the god worshipped at Sidon, was pillaged but has been studied at length. It was revered as a place of healing. Evidently the Sidonians around 500 BC considered Eshmun the god of healing. Later the Greeks tried to equate Eshmun and his temple with Asclepius, their god of healing. Here Paul's ship docked. The centurion was kind enough to allow Paul to disembark and to visit with Christian friends there. They provided for his needs. That's a part of belonging to the family of God. Almost wherever Paul went, he had Christian friends upon whom he could call. There is that practical unity among Christians. We have done some traveling to other countries recently, and wherever we go, we meet Christians whom we have never met before. But there is a unity, because we all belong to Christ. That forms a bond that transcends all others. It's a beautiful experience to meet strangers who are really brothers and sisters in Christ. Here are the renewal singers to sing about that unity of heart and mind.
Snow is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.